0: This is Under the Dome. On today's episode, we're taking a look at what's happening in North Carolina politics for the week of Monday, May 24th.
1: For the News and Observer, I'm Don Bond, your host for the week ahead for Monday, March 24th, 2021. And joining me on this episode is my colleague, Will Doran. We're going to tell you the three big things that you need to look for this week in North Carolina government and politics um, starting off first, this, this, we're in this sort of limbo air, area of crossovers done, which is that self-imposed deadline where a bunch of things need to pass at least one chamber to become law, but not really. And there's lots of workarounds, but th- it's still a time where there's a whole lot of flurry of passing things. So things have a, a better chance of becoming law, or maybe they don't because there's surprises later. That's what, um, you know, getting amends are for it. Um, so we're, we're in this, this limbo time between the end of crossover and the beginning of budget season, which is late this year, um, part because of coronavirus, part because there's so much money um, that the state has, that the feds are just, I mean, it's like just money is raining down <laughs> North Carolina right now from the government. Um, and The usual people that are at odds are Democratic Governor Roy Cooper and the Republican leadership in the General Assembly, as everybody remembers, uh, 2019 budget saga uh, that never ended. This time they're all best friends and well, sort of. Right. And they're getting along. So where things are actually being held up is the two chambers. So this this time the budget comes out of the Senate. But um, both Berger and Moore have said that they want to come to a general spending amount agreement before. So we'll see the budget from the Senate and then we'll see the budget from the House and, con- you know, all of that. And then the conference budget. Um, but they want to have a total spending number. And where things stand right now, the last time I talked to Berger is that the, the Senate wants to spend less than the than the House does. And I mean, it's been over a week ago when... Berger said, um, oh yeah, you know, it could be as soon as like next week that like we hear back and we have something. Well, that time is coming gone. So is it this week? Maybe. I don't know. So that's why it's the limbo time. So we're both in this limbo of end of crafts over pre-budget, but also like when are they going to decide on the budget? And when that decision comes, there's still nothing tangible yet. It's just this spending number that they have, and then three weeks later there might be something to, to vote on. So, so that's where we are. That's the big thing to look for of that. I don't know, will we see it? Will we won't? Um, it's been a while, you know, we're looking, this is the last week of May We're a month passed, but in North Carolina, as most of our listeners know, we don't have a shutdown like the feds. So, you know, you don't have to pass a budget by June 30th. You can pass a budget by July 30th or never, um, <laughs> which is what we saw last time, but nobody wants to do that this time. But I think what, what a, there is a good chance of is, um, you know, missing that June 30th deadline. It might be July. It might be August. Um, that's what I, I don't know. Will, if you're hearing anything different from lawmakers is that I've talked to both parties of like, when do you think this is actually going to happen? You know, it's sort of like summertime. Like that, that's what I'm hearing. Are you hearing a general summertime, you think?
0: Yeah. And, you know, as you mentioned, a lot of this is just going to be hashed out behind closed doors. They'll come forward whenever they have a plan. You know, I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of super public back and forth. There'll be some, of course, but I think a lot of the work is just going to happen uh, in private. So, uh, you know, whenever they get around to doing that, and, you know, depending on how long it takes, but no one's going to be tempted to get up and give long-winded speeches about things since they're not in public. They'll just hash it out.
1: <laughs> I was gonna say they like giving long-winded speeches, but right, maybe not for the caucus. They'll save that for the for the public and, and in the house anyway, for the cameras. Yeah.
0: <laughs> One question I have for you, Don, and I'm putting you on the spot here. Maybe you uh maybe you haven't heard, but I mean, obviously we don't we can't do deficit spending here in North Carolina, like the federal government does. So, you know, with the Senate wanting to spend less money house wanting to spend more, um, is that just a difference of the Senate wants to put more into the rainy day fund? Have you gotten a sense of like which types of savings accounts that they want to file some of this money away into? Cause I mean, you know, we have, we have the general rainy day fund and we have a bunch of other, you know, individual, you know, kind of, trusts and funds and things like that have people talked to you much about you know kind of where the senate wants to put those the extra money into savings
1: they won't give any specifics but I think generally I mean the they're both fiscal conservatives you know as far as the leadership goes and Barker is much more of a fiscal conservative and that's the senate republican leadership um they are so whether that turns out, I mean, there's, a there's you know, a $5 billion, you know, budget surplus. There's this rainy day fund that I remember them touting, you know, two years ago. Um, and, you know, the rain is coming gone. And I think we're at, what, at least half the state vaccinated now. So I don't know if there's more rain or what they want to save for. Um, but, you know, the, and they'll, you know, take the credit for it and, and certainly deserve, you know, at least a lot of it. North Carolina is in a, a fine place financially as far as the money that we've already had and and tax revenue is another thing too but but also just like I said before, just the money raining down from from DC as much as everyone complains about Congress they' um, they're they're putting out a lot of money and and North Carolina is in a better place than than others are. So the answer to that is, you know, I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> so that'll segue to our, our, our second big thing, which is coronavirus relief. They passed a bill this week that seems exciting, but really is just a framework bill. It's required by the feds of you need to say this is the amount of money you're putting into these different areas. So it's not it's not the specifics that everybody wants, um, but that's out there. And so will we see this week potentially like what those details look like? Um, There's a good chance of that or at least coming soon. Um, Governor Cooper just put out his proposal for how to spend it. And the one thing that both chambers, both parties, everyone is like broadband, broadband. Everybody loves it. Everyone wants high speed Internet across the state. It's maybe comes down to like exactly the logistics of it and the exact number. But that's a very non-controversial thing that that everybody is is in favor of. So really the kind of maybe the sticking points there are going to be money for parents, which is um, came out of the um, House uh, Republican Representative uh, Hardister has this uh, bill proposal to give a thousand dollars to families of a student or up to $3,000 per household to spend directly on, not, not like those extra credit grants where you could spend it on whatever you wanted, um, although, you know, strongly suggested something with childcare or, or remote learning issue, but this one for things like camps and tutors and, and other things. And, and Hardister asked, you know, what would that actually look like logistically? Um, Cause he's talking about 170 million in American rescue plan funds, which is that federal money. And um, he's like, you know, we don't know if we need all of that, if that's something from the state budget, if that ends up being art money. So they're they're still sorting it out. And Berger is noncommittal on a certain amount. So Cooper's proposal was... Believe two hundred and fifty dollars and five hundred dollars, but to the families most in need, which is different than um, the Republicans opening up to most families. So, so that's I think where we'll see what what is that final amount going to be. And, and Cooper said during that presser that you know he's open to negotiation, which you know you kind of have to be the way our the way the branches of government work. So also speaking of the Cooper presser, real quick, I thought he had had the last one when he lifted the mass mandate because then on Monday, this past Monday, you know, he took questions after this public bill signing at the mansion that I covered. And it's not the first one he did this year. He did one for that um, Wounded Heroes Day, but um, he still had one more remote presser and that was for the um, budget, uh, the COVID budget proposal. Um, but it looks like that's it and everything else will be um, back to in person, which takes us to number three the in-person work. So we've got two things at play here. Um, One is the return. I'm working on a story now that will probably be published by the time you all listen to this about state employees returning to work who aren't already in the office and what that looks like. And and, you know, Cooper said that, you know, they'd kind of been in this sort of holding pattern when all of a sudden the CDC, you know, changes the mask rules and then the state and then everyone that's not back. And what do we do? And sort of scrambling with the guidance and how that works. And so the short answer to all of that is people who are vaccinated. Um, well, I mean, it's it's you know generally a good idea. So <laughs> the other side of of employment is This thing that came up this week, which was an interesting surprise, Will, that you wrote about, about getting people to um, have incentive to work in places that um, weren't like the most ideal place to work during a pandemic. So tell us a little bit about that.
0: Yeah. So this is a brand new proposal um, uh, tying together uh, two things that you've already mentioned in this podcast on one, the the gut and amend process to, to get new ideas introduced into the legislature, even though uh, the crossover deadline has taken passed, And also the feds just making it rain uh, with COVID. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: um,
0: so on Thursday of last week, um, Republicans in the Senate took a bill that the house had already passed about, uh, I think it was about like schools being able to have, you know, higher capacities at sporting events, um, which was kind of, you know, it's kind of moot at this point because, you know, the COVID restrictions being lifted. And so they just scrubbed out all of that language and replaced it with new language that says, if you are unemployed on unemployment and you get a job, we'll give you $1,500. And so it's an attempt to one, get people off the unemployment rolls because you've you know seen this whole kind of a uh, new push in uh, Republican circles uh, to say that, you know, unemployment is too generous, um, which you didn't really hear during the Trump administration when unemployment payments were actually higher than they are now in the Biden administration.
1: That's funny. I wonder why.
0: <laughs> and, and the way the Republicans framed it was that, look, some states are just giving back their unemployment money from the feds as, you know, kind of this, philosophical statement. We don't want to do that. You know, we think it's silly to just give away free money. Um, But what we're going to do is instead of, you know, trying to continue spending it by giving people weekly checks on unemployment, we're just going to give a one-time signing bonus, essentially, of $1,500 if you're on unemployment and you get a job. Um, And so that would entice people to get the job uh, pretty soon this summer. It would be Uh, the way the bill's written, it's intended to pass very quickly. It would be $1,500 if you get a job by June, which is in, you know, what, the next week, or $800 if you get a job by July. And so, you know, with June so rapidly approaching, and obviously it still has lots of steps to go through committees, maybe those dates will get adjusted, you know, in the future, a little bit more forward-looking. Maybe the dollar amounts will get adjusted. You know, we're not sure. That's still very new, but... Uh, you know, this is big news for a lot of employers uh, who have, you know, said that they've had trouble finding workers um, and who are, you know, have been hesitant to to raise wages uh, in some cases. In some cases, not. Some places are raising their wages. Uh, you know, the, the Hardee's restaurant near my house is advertising $10 an hour. We've seen stories in the news of other fast food places and other businesses going to 10 or $15 an hour. So, you know, it's supply and demand and the free market at work. Um, but, you know, then here is also another instance of kind of helping businesses out on that front and, you know, helping them get new workers fast by sending some of that federal taxpayer dollars at them for these signing bonuses as well. Um, you heard some asks from the Democrats in the committee when this came up on Thursday to also consider child care subsidies uh, as this as well. They said, you know, look, you know, a lot of people aren't unemployed because they are lazy and don't want to work, they're unemployed because it literally costs more money to buy childcare than you can make working for some of these low wage jobs. And so they would lose money if they went back to work instead of staying at home with their kids.
1: So mid-wage jobs too, we're both parents and know, know exactly how much childcare costs. So. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah so the the changing face of the worker of unemployment of everything is something that that Will and I uh are are following that our politics team will will continue to follow and and tell you how um you know how all of this will pan out in a a post um vaccination pandemic era which we're very rapidly uh approaching so All right. Well, those are the three the three big things um, for your week ahead in North Carolina politics. I'm Dawn Vaughn for the News and Observer with Will Doran. Thank you for listening.
0: For more from our politics team, subscribe to the News and Observer at newsobserver.com slash subscribe follow us on twitter at under the dome and nc insider and sign up for her weekly political newsletter at newsobserver.com/newsletters thanks for listening